You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. Um, I'll be reading from two passages today. The first is Mark 15, verse 21 to 32. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he would not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him amongst themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Uh, the next reading is from 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 15, verses 50 to 57. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, think about uh, the meaning of Jesus' death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather today uh, on this Good Friday morning. We pray that you would speak to us through your word so that we might come to understand Jesus better and what it means that he died on the cross. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I took my family to see the musical Hamilton. Uh, We've been hanging out so long to see it. We were going to go see it in Sydney, but it got cancelled because of COVID and we had to wait to better see it in Melbourne. And it was certainly worth the wait. Are there any Hamilton fans here today? A few, yeah, a few. Okay, okay. Well, if you don't know what it is, uh, it's a musical about Alexander Hamilton, one of the founding fathers of the United States of America. That's right. It's set kind of the late 1700s. And what's really cool about it is most of the music is hip-hop. And so the characters actually rap their lines. Now, you might look at me as if I'm stupid. I'm not stupid. That's, that's what it's about. That's what it is. Uh, and it is awesome. 
Another one of the characters, uh, he's a founding father too. His name is Aaron Burr. And he sings this song. It's a great song. My son Toby, it's one of his favourite songs. It's called Wait For It. And he sings about how he was orphaned as a child and how he's had to patiently endure lots of hardships through life. I'm going to read out some lyrics for you, but I'm not, I'm not going to wrap them, but I'll, I'll read them out for you. You can listen online if you want to hear how it actually sounds. Death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes. And we keep living anyway. We rise and we fall and we break and we make our mistakes. And if there's a reason I'm still alive, when everyone who loves me has died, I'm willing to wait for it. I'm willing to wait for it. That's that first line that's stuck in my head. Death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. In other words... Whether you're a good person or a bad person, you're still going to die. And in one sense, that might make it sound like, well, death is just a natural part of life and everybody dies and so what? But we kind of know that's not true. Even in the musical, death brings grief to the characters, just as it does for us. You know, we know the pain and fear and disruption that death brings and these are an indication that something is not right with the world. This is not how it's meant to be. You know, the fact that you can try your whole life to live well, to be a good person and still just die leaves you wondering about the point of it all. You know, where's the justice? If you feel this way, then I've got good news for you. I've got good news about how death's destructive power can be removed and you can one day live again. And it all starts by going back to that word in the first line, saints. Aaron Burr, in his song, he uses it to mean a good person. A saint is a good person. But there's a different way to think about that word that we find in the Bible. You see, in the Bible, it means something that's been set apart for God, something or someone. They belong to him. And so being a saint is about being sanctified, being declared holy, precious belonging to God. In fact, there's a, a letter in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. We had a reading from it just before. It's written by a guy called Paul of Tarsus to Christians who lived in Corinth And he refers to them all as saints. He says, to the saints in Corinth. They are saints or God's holy people. Yet he also spends a lot of time in his letter pointing out their misdeeds, how they don't actually live out the life they're supposed to be living. So saints aren't perfect people. They're not even necessarily good people. Rather, they are sinners who have been forgiven by God and belong to him. They have been sanctified, set apart. God says, these are my people. I've forgiven them and I've made them my own. That's what all Christians are. Christians are saints. Not say that we're good people or better people. We're just forgiven people. Yet, despite being forgiven, Christians still die. If death doesn't discriminate, then how do we eliminate the destruction it brings to anyone who is a saint? Well, that's what we're looking at this Easter. 
In chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul paints a glorious picture of the future and how Jesus of Nazareth is the key to that future. Today we're going to think about how Jesus' death helps us and then on Sunday Aaron's going to help us to think about how Jesus gives us new life. So let's move on to our next point. If you're following in the outline, you're going to move on to our next point now. And we'll see the beginning of the solution to death. Jesus died for our sins, so believers aren't judged. Let's look at the start of 1 Corinthians 15. It's a chapter we're looking at this weekend. And you can see there, if you've got a Bible open in front of you, there's Bibles at the ends of the pews, or if you've got it online. At the start of the chapter, Paul wants to remind the Corinthians of the gospel that he's taught them. That is the good news about Jesus. He then recounts the historical facts of that gospel, which shows how and why it is able to save them. We're going to pick it up in verse 3. I'll read it out. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and spoiler alert for Sunday, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. This is what Paul thinks is of first importance. These are the key details. Jesus truly died. Jesus was truly buried. Jesus was truly raised back to new life and Jesus was truly seen by his friend Peter, also known as Cephas, as well as the rest of his disciples and then a whole bunch of other people. And these truths are still of first importance, which is why we still speak about them 2,000 years later. It's why they are the focus every year at Easter. Today on Good Friday, we commemorate the death of Jesus on the cross. And so we're going to focus on that first truth of first importance. Jesus died. We heard about that just before in our readings from Mark. He was an innocent man who was sentenced to execution by crucifixion. He was nailed to a wooden cross so that large nails were hammered through his wrists and a large nail through his ankles. He'd already been whipped and beaten so that as he hung on the cross, he would have been bleeding People, they were hurling insults at him while he struggled through the pain and he would have had to push up on the nail on his feet so he could expand his chest, so he could gasp for air. For six hours. And after those six hours, Jesus died. In his letter, Paul wants his readers to understand the meaning of that death. And he does that by pointing to the key element. It's it's not that Jesus died as an example of faithful suffering in the face of unjust oppression. It's not that Jesus died to expose the corrupt systems of human government. It's not that Jesus died to inspire us to treasure each day as a gift from God. No, look at what Paul says. Jesus died... For our sins. Jesus died for sinners so that their sin could be dealt with. 
And maybe you don't know what that word sin means. It's not a word that we really use very often today. But one way of thinking about it, it's when we fall short of God's standards. When we miss the mark. You know, like, like it's, it's when you don't love others the way you know that you should. Sin is also when we desire bad things and we set our hearts on them. Or we might even desire good things, but we desire them too much and we become obsessed with them. These desires give birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. That's because sin drives a wedge between us and God. God who is our creator, who is the source of all that is good, the source of life. And if you're separated from the source of life, what's going to happen? You're going to die. That is how God brings about justice. See, death doesn't discriminate Because all of us do wrong. All of us deserve death because none of us measure up. We all fall short. But the good news is, is that Jesus spares us from receiving that just penalty by dying in our place. He pays the penalty for us because he lived the perfect life. He always measured up. He never missed the mark. And so he can be our saviour. That's what that word Christ means. The gospel, or the good news that Paul wants his readers to embrace, that he wants us to embrace, is that Jesus has died so that we can be forgiven and we can be set free from the everlasting punishment of death. All you have to do is receive this by faith. You just have to believe. Trust in Jesus, acknowledging that you need mercy and then look to him for forgiveness. That's actually how you become a saint. Not by becoming a good person, a perfect person. It's by admitting that you're not a good or perfect person and you need forgiveness. We admit that we are a wrongdoer. We say sorry to God. We trust in Jesus who has paid the penalty of death for us. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the gospel that saves and sets believers apart as God's saints, as his holy people. But then why is it that saints still die? If death doesn't discriminate, then how do we eliminate the destruction it brings to anyone who is a saint? Well, there's another aspect to Jesus' death that we need to understand. This is our next point. Jesus died for our corrupt bodies so believers can become imperishable. Now, Paul spends much of this chapter in 1 Corinthians in his letter speaking about the resurrection of the dead. Yet just as Jesus came back to life, so too will all who believe in him. Now, Aaron is going to cover that on Sunday, so we're going to skip ahead to where Paul speaks about death in verses 42 to 44. Paul says that a Christian's death is like a seed being buried in the ground. It appears to die for good, but then something new springs forth. Listen to verses 42 to 44. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And the importance of this is explained in verse 50. Check it out. 
I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. You see, the new life to come, the raising from the dead, the resurrection of believers involves a transformation. You see, we can't live forever as we currently are because our bodies are perishable. In fact, that word's probably not strong enough. Our bodies are corrupt. You think about it, bread is perishable because that's how it's supposed to be. If bread didn't kind of break apart and and perish, you wouldn't be able to eat it and get any benefit from it. Well, humans are perishable, but it's not how we're ultimately supposed to be. Our bodies have been corrupted in some way. It comes back to sin. You see, we live in a world where the result of sin weaves through every aspect of your life, even your own being. Anxiety, COVID-19, trauma, cancer, disabilities. These are all things we experience in our bodies. They are physical. And they are the consequences of living in a corrupted world that is ravaged by sin. See, humanity as a whole has told God to get lost. And so he has partly withdrawn his protection. He's handed us over to the corruption that goes with that when we are cut off from life. Here's another way to think about it. Certain impurities in a metal can corrupt it. If you've got impurities in a metal, it might make it brittle so it breaks easy or it reduces electrical conductivity. You wouldn't want to ride in an elevator that was made out of corrupt, impure metals, would you? Well, just like an impure metal needs to be refined, we do too. Our bodies do. It's not enough that Jesus died for my sin so that I can be declared forgiven. I need my corrupt body to be restored. I need the effects of sin to be dealt with as well. I don't want my body to stay in this state forever. I don't want a back that gives me pain. I don't want a brain that sometimes forgets important things. Do you want to have the broken bits of your body to remain that way forever? Surely not. So that's another reason that Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price to liberate me from, uh, to deliver me from corruption and decay, to liberate you from corruption and decay. So then Paul understands the death of a believer to be like a seed planted in the ground. You see, it looks like a death, when in fact it's a necessary process for something new to come forth. Just as a seed becomes a plant, a perishable human becomes an imperishable human. And that takes place through death, and it's how we can live forever in the kingdom of God. If death doesn't discriminate, then how do we eliminate the destruction it brings to anyone who is a saint? Well, Jesus has done it by dying in our place to bring us forgiveness, but to also open up the way for us to be made incorruptible. In other words, Jesus' death transforms the death of believers. If you go away from our time together today with with nothing else in your mind other than that phrase, then, then I've done my job. I want you to remember, the death of Jesus transforms the death of believers. It's not an experience of judgment. 
It's not just the the final fruit of corruption. It's not a destruction that brings a permanent end to our bodily existence. In fact, Paul says death has lost its sting. Brings us to our fourth point. Death has been depowered like a bee with no stinger. Have a listen to verses uh, 54 to 57. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When a loved one dies, it stings, doesn't it? We feel the pain and it can be deep. But that's not actually the sting that Paul has in mind. He's actually thinking about the stinger of a, a bee or maybe a scorpion. See, death is pictured here as a predator who attacks with its stinger to strike us down. My dad was doing some work in the backyard. There was some grass growing up along the back fence and it was pretty wild. He hadn't done anything with it for quite a while. And as he had his whippersnipper and he's cutting the grass, he stepped into an underground wasp's nest right up to his knee. And the wasps came swarming out and they got their stingers out and they stung him 74 times. Mum had to hose him down, rush him to the hospital, and I don't envy the nurse who had to count all of those stings, all those bites off my dad's body. Now, if my dad was allergic to wasps, he'd be dead now. I don't know about you, but I get nervous when I see bees or wasps flying around. But if they have no sting, then they can't hurt us, can they? A bee with no stinger is powerless. Well, Jesus has removed the sting or stinger of death because he's defeated sin. You see, sin is what death uses to threaten and attack us. And Paul says that the power of sin, if you like, the venom in the stinger, is the law. That's what powers sin because the law tells us that we've done the wrong thing, we've missed the mark, we've failed. But the law can't condemn believers because they are protected by the death of Jesus that brings forgiveness. The law looks at us and says, well, there's nothing I can do to condemn this person because they have been fully pardoned. And so if the law has no effect, then sin has no effect. Death cannot sting us. Death is now like a stingless bee. Yes, of course, Christians still die. That's not my point. But rather, our death is not a sign of judgment and the door closing on life forever. Rather, it's a passing through to the presence of God and awaiting the glorious day when we'll be raised up in new bodies. And the perishable becomes imperishable. Here's my last point. In Hamilton the musical... Aaron Burr sings, death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. Well, that might be the case in that all people die, but we now see that believers keep on living anyway because death can't hold them down, not forever. 
because Jesus went to war against death and achieved victory. And on the final day of resurrection, when the perishable believers are clothed with the imperishable, then death will have been finally and fully swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God. You know, there's another line in the song, wait for it, where Aaron Burr says, my grandfather was a fire and brimstone preacher. And that grandfather was Jonathan Edwards, the greatest theologian that America has ever produced. And yes, he did preach some fiery sermons, but he's actually more well known as a man of great gospel love and tenderness. And he actually had something to say about death, the death of believers. Listen to these words. We are ready to look upon death as their calamity, talking about the death of believers, as their calamity and to mourn that those who were so dear to us should be in the dark grave, that they are there transformed to corruption and worms, taken away from their dear children and enjoyments, etc., as though they were in awful circumstances. But this is owing to our infirmity. They are in a happy condition, inconceivably blessed, They do not mourn, but rejoice with exceeding joy. Their mouths are filled with joyful songs and they drink at rivers of pleasure. They find no mixture of grief that they have changed their earthly enjoyments and the company of mortals for heaven. Their life here, though in the best circumstances, was attended with much that was adverse and afflictive. But now there is an end to all adversity. My prayer all of you here today is that those words would be true for you. That death would not be something that holds terror. Put your trust in Jesus so that you will find the sting of death to have been removed. And if you have already trusted in Jesus, then look to your death with hope, not fear. Remember the big idea, the death of Jesus has transformed the death of believers. Your resurrection will take place, but you're just going to have to wait for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus who died on the cross for our sins so that we might be forgiven, that we might be restored to you and be set apart as your saints, as your holy people, not because we are good or perfect, but because we are forgiven. Thank you also that Jesus died so that uh, we could be clothed in transformed bodies so that we could live forever, be made fit for eternal life. And so please uh, turn every heart in this room to you, to trust in Jesus and to know the hope that comes at the resurrection. Amen.